Hey there, I'm here with Ollie Taylor. He's the lead of Trudy and the Romance, a Liverpool-based band known for their vintage rose-tinted sound. And if you ask him, he wants to be the next Disney of lyrical storytelling. With over 100,000 monthly listeners and upwards of 10 million streams on Spotify alone, the band has pulled the long-lived sound of doo-wop back into the forefront of indie. Ollie, how are you doing today? Hello there. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's a great introduction. I really like that. So, your stage name is Trudy and the Romance, but I understand that the suffix of that was added a little bit after the Trudy. Uh, who is Trudy and where did that part of your pseudonym come from? Well, in my first band, uh, when I was younger, we were called Trudy Sings the Blues. Uh, and that was just a song I saw randomly on my iTunes by an artist called Trudy Lynn. And then since then, uh, it just it changed to Trudy and then Funnily enough, we got a band get in touch because they were called The Trudy. So then we had to add and the romance, but I like it. I like it best. I feel we've got the best uh, version now, but it's always been that. And I guess it, it just became, you know, became the thing. And though at this point it seems natural to tack the romance onto that, I understand that you guys actually workshopped some other names such as Trudy and the Bang Bang Shot and even Trudy and the Moon Sharks. Uh, what caused you guys to settle with the romanticized band name? Well, it was uh, it was Trudy Baby and the Bang Bang Sharks uh, was the was the full one. I'm glad we didn't do that in the end. I, I think that would have just been absolutely silly. I, I think we were so upset about having to change the name that we just kind of went a little bit mad. Uh, but the romanticized one, I think um, it's a little bit like the '80s bands, you know, like Huey Lewis and the News, and it's kind of I think. Um, it, and it's also quite 50s, I guess, as well, uh, because it's, you know, you've got the name and then and the something. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's uh, there's something very cartoon about it, and I don't know what it is. Yeah, and maybe there just wasn't enough water on the moon for sharks. No, there's, yeah, well, they might, they've not found sharks on the moon yet, have they? But they might do one day. It's worth noting that a lot of people have a hard time pinning the band down into any specific genre. Um, while being self-described as doo-wop spacemen, I've seen you guys listed as indie pop, shoegaze, and you've even said yourself that there are classical aspects to your musicianship. Um, if you had to box yourself into a specific label, what would you call your sound? Uh, well, I, I don't know. I, I guess... What I'm trying to do with it now is listen to a lot of country music and take it maybe more that avenue, uh, which will hopefully make the lyrics, um, it'll go down that storyteller route just a little bit more. And uh, in terms of the instrumentation, yeah, I guess anything's up for grabs, really. It's the it's the film score thing, I guess, that we, we're trying to put under everything as well. So I, I guess, yeah, you know... Um, the, yeah, the classical thing, I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> if we could get some orchestral stuff on it, that'd be really cool. I think that's, that'd hopefully be the future. If we can get a budget together, or we'll just do it on MIDI, who knows? It's funny, um, kind of in the same vein of cinema, I heard that some of your first guitar-related memories are tied to Marty McFly shredding out in Back to the Future. Great Scott! Uh, I think it's kind of poetic that while Marty McFly went back to the 50s and bestowed upon them modern rock, you're almost coming straight out of the 50s with your sound and bringing that into today. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. the 50s is a tough one, I think. It's, 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 uh, 
you know, it, it was something I attached myself to because uh, I just really loved doo-wop and I just thought it was the coolest thing. But I guess, you know, I, a lot of people don't touch the 50s because it's it's not the 60s. <laughs> and uh, the 60s is just, you know, has a lot to offer, I guess. But yeah, no, the uh, it's it's been like... Um, it's been the start of it all, definitely. And then maybe we'll we'll move we'll move on with, with the decades. We'll we'll go to the sixties next, and then the seventies, and then hopefully get to the noughties in the end. And we'll just do some like noughties R and B or something. That'd be great. So you've said it before that in your lyrical storytelling, you hope to be a one man Disney. Now that's a pretty bold aspiration, given that we're talking about the man who made Mickey Mouse, <laughs> Donald Duck, and Goofy. Uh, whatever Goofy is. Uh, how do you continue to work on that craft and where do you typically look to find inspiration? Well, it's, yeah, I, I think I think with the Disney thing, it's it's kind of when when you when you put, you know, the, uh, his anthology of films together, whatever, it's just really impressive, especially the golden age where you've just got like Pinocchio and Fantasia and um, Snow White and Bambi. And, and it, I don't know, it just, it's just something really, I guess perfect and it's kind of obviously quite commercial but quite artsy and I think that felt like a, a maybe a good direction with the albums you know when we start doing albums to have something that's really concise and it's got a direction and a character and um, a bit of a storyline and things like that um, so yeah and the one man Disney I guess maybe that's just a way of saying doing it on the cheap you know doing it doing it uh on the lo-fi because you is you know you're not going to have all that all that studio support and stuff but yeah <laughs> that's uh yeah i said that a few years ago i think i've, I've uh, i think i've lost a bit of confidence since then and i understand that your latest album sandman was somewhat of a concept album and followed a loose storyline uh, I guess this is somewhat of a chicken or the egg question, but in pulling off something as ambitious as that, are you building a story around sounds that were already in your head, or are you more creating that music centered around a specific plot? Well, with that one, uh, because it was the first record, I really wanted to like fuse all the, all the stuff we've been doing over the years, especially as we did it more as a, a band back then. So I, you know, we, I just wanted to encompass everything uh, so what I did is I took a lot of the songs we had and um, created new ones as well but then put the storyline a little bit into the whole structure just so we could kind of really tick the box on the debut um, and show what we've been up to but I guess um, and, and and I might even do that on the next one I don't know it's, I don't I, I think I find it really tough to just do it all from scratch or write like that I find it much easier to treat it like a jigsaw puzzle and sort of put the pieces together. One specific song I've always wondered about the behind the scenes of is, Is There a Place I Can Go? Uh, for whatever reason, that track has stuck with me over the years, so I'd love to know the inner machinations of it. Oh, wow, yeah, well, that's that's great. Thank you. Uh, well, I was, I was home, uh, yeah, just writing it, and then uh, one of my family got sick which was strange because it was like during writing it and then um, it, it, it kind of made it a little bit about that. So it became quite a personal uh, anthem or whatever. But I, I, but I think uh, I think that really maybe helped. Uh, it helped me, you know, really want to make the best of it, I think. And I put, yeah, we put a lot into that at the time. Uh, 
and yeah, I really like that track as well. I'm glad I'm glad that tracks uh, had had some legs. It seems that with the extremely limited capacity for live performance amidst, uh, well, you know, the ongoing pandemic, you guys seem to be figuring out a means to mitigate that. You guys actually recently did a live session straight out of Par Street Studios, which is on streaming for those of you who want to check that out. But surely you must miss playing in front of a crowd. Oh, yeah, I think, yeah, you kind of lose sight, I think, of what you're doing without without playing in front of a crowd. And uh, I'm really excited to do that again. And, you know, we've not... Uh, we've not. I've not been in the practice room for a while either, and that that's something I'm really missing. Uh, so, so as soon as we can do that again, I think, yeah, I think it's going to be absolutely great. And I, I, I like to think people have missed it as well, you know, and and they're going to be excited to get back out. And it's going to be surreal. I think <laughs> it's like rooms full of people, you know, <laughs> uh, after all this. But I, uh, I, I, it's something yeah, I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and it seemed like you guys were really starting to pick up more and more gigs before this all. Uh, in a world post-COVID, assuming that we here in the States get our, uh, well, get our stuff together, do you have plans to hop on over the pond? Oh, that's, yeah, that's what we want to do the most of all, you know. Uh, we we were talking about doing it in March, actually, this year, but that was, you know, uh, last year we were talking about that, uh, and yeah we really wanted to come and do south by and um i think a festival called new york colossus and then we come over to, uh, to la as well and do do that stuff and i think america's always been the dream really and i i'm glad i feel like i feel like the music connects in america which is which is really good uh and yeah if yeah i mean that's as soon as as soon as we can that's what we'll be doing uh, I can't wait and hopefully we'll be visiting you as well. Now you said that you feel like your music really connects over here in the States. What do you think it is about your music that makes it so border blurring? Uh, it must just be the influences maybe that I have. I, I'm, I'm mainly influenced by American bands and singers, songwriters and if not that, uh, bands, UK bands that are influenced by American bands maybe, you know. Um, but but the stuff I've been listening to now, you know, it seems I'm I'm kind of going further and further into the American thing, you know, especially with the country and, um, yeah, I, but I'm, I'm yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, it must just be that. It must be the influences. Uh, I watch a lot of films as well, so <laughs> I watch a lot of films and a lot of films in America, so I can just pretend to be one of the characters out of the films, I guess, and like I grew up on a ranch or something, you know. This is in, these are films probably set in like times gone by or I don't know, but uh, still, it's still, uh, it's still the dream for me to come see it all. So in the event that you do come over, you gotta come to Portland, as in the Oregon one, not the main one. It seems that we get a little overlooked sometimes in the tour date department when bands travel around, so I figured that I'd put the pressure on you while I have you cornered here. Oh, definitely, yeah, that's, not, I've heard there's, uh, I've heard there's a lot of, a bit of a scene there anyway isn't there and there's, there's a lot of like indie bands that have moved there and stuff is that true or i think it's i think it's decently true i think that portland is a uh, a solid melting pot for a lot of different sounds and that you'll find 
a variety of influence thriving in that space. Wow, no, yeah, I'd, I'd love to come over. I, I'll take that as an invite and we'll be there. I'm gonna hold you to that. Great stuff. Amidst all this COVID stuff, I understand that a deluxe version of Sandman is coming out soon. What sort of new stuff can we expect added onto that and when should we keep an eye out? So yeah, we're, we're gonna be re releasing a, a reissue of the album on the 22nd of January and it's gonna, it's gonna have the full four session tracks we did in Par Street. So we just refreshed a few of the uh, album tracks and we did a version of Place. And there's a new song in there as well that I've been that I've uh, written. And um, it's just like an acoustic version that I played with our guitarist, Joe. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's all, it's really exciting and it's cool to have it on CD. And we know, we know CD might be a little bit of a novelty maybe, but it's, uh, I don't know. And maybe if you've just got a car, you might want a CD or, uh, however it is, but I, it, it might be, you know, I guess it might be the only time we ever get CDs made. So I feel like it'll be a, a cool little thing to have. So on the topic of somewhat novelty formats, I'm a bit of a vinyl head myself. <laughs> so I got to shoehorn in a little vinyl related question right at the end here. Can we expect a repress of Junkyard Jazz anytime soon? Uh, maybe on a special variant? Oh wow, yeah, I, absolutely maybe. Uh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll get thinking about that one. I mean, did we, I think we wanted to do it on a gold disc once, or maybe that was Sandman. Something on a gold disc would be great, I think. I'm actually, uh, I think I'm thinking about stealing a few tracks from Junkyard Jazz to sort of re-record for the next record. So I don't know if maybe, hopefully I can take the best stuff from that and uh, redo it. But I mean, that's just me being lazy, so <laughs> who knows? Well, thanks for humoring me on that. Uh, <laughs> I had to ask. You can find Ollie's band Trudy and the Romance on Instagram via at Trudy My Love, and you can find his stuff on anywhere that plays good music. Uh, Ollie, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. Cheers.